Welcome to Center Ice. It is February 2nd. We are early on in the NHL season. I'm here with Matt, as always. Hope you've been enjoying hockey. We certainly have. We've missed it dearly. And there's been some roadblocks, some obstacles along the way, but the NHL, I think, has handled it well. And uh, without further ado, let's get into this episode, shall we? Yes, let's get right into it on this Groundhog Day. Uh, Of course, here in Ontario, the Groundhog is predicting an early spring, so we can only hope, right? (laughs) Yep. Yep. All right. Well, of course, the big story in this early season, Mac, is the blockbuster trade, the type of trade you see in NHL video games all the time, two superstars being traded for one another, the Columbus Blue Jackets acquire Patrick Laine and Jack Roslevic for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, this was a situation that was bubbling up for quite a while. We saw rumors as early as last season and even before then that Pierre-Luc Dubois was not happy with his situation in Columbus. There was some real friction between him and Tortorella, especially in that last game he played where he went out there and had that zero-effort shift. And I know you have some thoughts on that, Max. So so if you want to... talk about it go right ahead but the important part is this trade was bubbling for a while we weren't quite sure who was in on him there were rumors and then Winnipeg and Columbus pull the trigger and Patrick Laine is now a member of the Blue Jackets he plays his first game as of tonight when this recording was done and we will see how that goes and Pierre-Luc Dubois will be in Winnipeg playing in Winnipeg fairly soon so Mac instant reaction when you saw that trade what were your thoughts yeah, I mean, first of all, I was just uh, – first of all, it's fun. It's fun for us hockey fans because we don't see these kind of trades that often. We don't have the kind of player movement that other leagues have. You know, in the NBA, this happens all the time. In the NHL, this is a rare occurrence. So that was cool. But also, I think it makes sense for both teams. Um, first of all, Patrick Line we know what he is. He's a great goal scorer and, you know, he's not a great defensive player, but he's always been a guy who has said that's what he wants to be. He wants to be a two-way player. And, you know, when you think about it, what better coach and situation for him to go into than Columbus, because he's going to have to earn all of his minutes and there's going to be demand for him to play a two-way game. So, No offense to Paul Maurice and Winnipeg, but they can't teach defense quite as well as John Tortorella and the Columbus Blue Jackets. No, you're right. And that's the the thing I took out of it, too, is that I I think if Torts and Line can maintain a good player-coach relationship, this could be a real winning combination for the both of them because now Columbus has that pure goal scorer again in Patrick Line. And if they can mold him just a little bit into more of a two-way player – Patrick Laine is going to shoot himself himself up the rankings of the top players in the league again. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a really good player oh, as well. Absolutely. Um, and I think he definitely helps Winnipeg. But what Winnipeg really needed was another really good defenseman. And unfortunately, that just wasn't out there for them in this situation. So, you know, from what I heard, it came down to a few teams. First of all, uh, the Rangers were in on him, the Ducks were in on him, and the Montreal Canadiens were in on him. But most of those teams just didn't like the asking price. I heard, you know, the Ducks, they were asking for Zegris, 
Drysdale and something else. And I don't blame them for saying no. I heard from the uh, Montreal Canadiens, they were asking for Nick Suzuki plus. You can understand why they said no. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's kind of a win-win for both teams here. Um, the guy that is not really mentioned here is Jack Roslovic. And, and this is a guy who's a good player who didn't have a contract with Winnipeg because they didn't have any cap space to sign him. And he's a local kid. He's from Ohio. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do with uh, Torts and the Blue Jackets. Oh, I am too. I, I think Roslovic, excuse me, is kind of the sweetener for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I don't like to declare winners early, Mac. You know that. Uh, I like to wait and see how the trade unfolds after a season or two before I say this to team, this team definitively won that trade. But I, I really like what the Blue Jackets were able to get back here. And I think Roslovic is that sweetener. And he, he's a really good player. He's a solid player. And now he's got the opportunity in Columbus to really show what he's made of. And as for Pierre-Luc Dubois going to Winnipeg, <clears throat> excuse me, we knew for a while he wanted to change the scenery. And I, I'm curious to see how that's going to go down in Winnipeg because who knows if he's going to be there long-term. Of course, he's got a two-year deal at the moment and he could decide to stay or go after that. And as you mentioned, the one thing Winnipeg really needed was another defenseman and they just don't have the cap space for that at the moment. And the, the Jets are in a tough situation here because they've got, you and I have talked about them before. We talked about them extensively a few weeks ago. The situation for me in Winnipeg doesn't change a whole lot. They're a team with a decent forward core, a couple good defensemen, a really good goaltender, but they're missing some pieces that they need to compete. And I think early on this season, we've seen precisely that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we do have to give credit to a couple of guys that, you know, you and I are both very high on and Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, who have combined for 22 points early on this season. And I think maybe the Jets decided it was time to give Kyle Connor that primary role. And as good as Patrick Line is, they felt like they wanted a two-way player. And listen, you know, those two-way centermen that are young don't grow on trees. You know, we'll see if they're able to re-sign him, but I think the fit will be really good there. And, and now you kind of have two really good lines, but you're right. The, the same questions are still there for Winnipeg, whereas with Columbus, it doesn't change their identity. It doesn't change anything. And uh, I think that's the important thing to raise here. Yeah, I think you're right. And I'm very excited to see how this trade will unfold through the rest of the season. I don't think we're going to be able to top that, at least for quite a while. That, that was such a blockbuster trade. And we'll see who is the winner at the end of the day. But happy we had something really exciting to lead off the show with this week. Anyways, let's move on to some other topics, Mac. Uh, do we have to talk about the Senators, Mac? Because... Uh, <laughs> we No, we don't have to if you don't want I know. To. But I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about because, yeah, yeah. Look, as a Sens fan, I was not expecting much for the season. Matt can uh, vouch for that. But my goodness, it has just been a train wreck in Ottawa so far. One, seven, and one. And I, I don't think they're going to win tonight. They're playing Edmonton when we're recording this episode. And I don't have much faith that they're going to beat the Oilers tonight. I really don't. And no, yeah. 
It's tough. I mean, I, I agree with you. You know, I don't think Sens fans had huge expectations, but I think they had expectations that this team was going to compete, you know, play better defensively, and that Matt Murray and Marcus Holberg would be better in net. And really, none of those things have happened. They've had games where they're in the game, and it's a close game, but then they blow the lead, or they lose in overtime. It's just... And I think... You know, I, I think Pierre Dorian and also um, DJ, DJ Smith, Smith deserve some criticism here because, look, they they made these big moves to bring in all these players, including goaltenders. They added a bunch of salary. And I don't think the team is better than they were last year right now. No, I think they're worse, to be honest, because at least you could say this about last year's team, Mac, for pretty much for four out of five games, you could say they were in every game. You know, they were competing. They were playing. They weren't very talented, but they they had a very good compete level to them. I just don't see it with this year's team. The one bright spot, I guess you could say, probably would be the offense, especially the uh, young kids that they are playing. And I'll get to that in a moment because, you know, I'm very opinionated on that, Mac. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but uh, besides certain portions of the offense, it's been an absolute train wreck. The defense has been awful. The last game against Edmonton where they lost eight to five, oh. Mike Riley had two brutal turnovers. Like these are Cody CC level turnovers, Mac. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and now look, uh, not excusing Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg from the, their due criticism because they are due some real harsh criticism, especially for some of the goals they've given up. But with the defense that's playing in front of them, there's certain there's certain ones, but there's no way they're getting them. They're just being hung out to dry. Okay, okay. So you're let's let's put your GM hat on here. Okay. You've got a team that is really underperforming and you've got a bunch of veteran defensemen that are let's let's face it, playing awful. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you do to shake things up here? Because I don't think you can continue on this trajectory with these same group of players and not make a change. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, changes need to be made yesterday, Mac. And if I'm now, the question is: Do you can I be a half GM, half coach here, Mac? Yes. Okay. Cool. So. First thing you got to do is you absolutely got to shake up the defense. No ifs, ands, or buts about about it. The first two moves I'm making, Mac, is I'm waving Riley and I'm making room for Brandstrom. Brandstrom needs to play. All the experts here in Ottawa are saying it, and I completely agree with them. You paid for Mark, you traded Mark Stone for, for Eric Brandstrom, and he has not played yet. And to me, that's a big problem. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's no reason not to give this kid a chance at this point. In my opinion, you got nothing to lose. And this, I think this is the crutch of what is getting Suns fans upset, Mac. It's not that we're losing that's getting us upset. It's the fact that, A, the way we're losing, we're, lo- we're getting blown out. And B, we're losing, but we're not losing with the young kids. Pierre Dorian, Eugene Malnick, and even DJ Smith to an extent coming into this season said, this is where the youth movement's really going to kick off. You're going to see Brandstrom, Shabbat, Kachuk, Stutzla, all, all these guys. You're going to see them night in and night out. They're going to get all 
the ice time. Basically, all the guys that really impressed in Belleville last year are going to be full-time this year. And we, we're not going to win a lot of games, but we're going to make some real improvements. Well, you look at the roster they're running. You got guys like Derek Stepan eating tons of minutes out there. Same with Mike Riley. And Artem Anisimov getting time over Josh Norris, for example. Colin White. These are guys that you say you're going to build the future off of, yet you're not playing them. To me, that, that's the crutch. That's the big problem for the Senators right now. And if I'm Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith, I'm getting rid of these old guys that can barely skate out there. And, and there's no disrespect to them. They were great players at a time, but their past is, they're well past their prime. It's time to play the young kids, let them play. And you know what? So what if you lose? You get a you get a top three pick again, and if you win, well, that's great for your guys. It's a win win for me, regardless of what happens when you're playing these young guys because they're getting experienced, and you're losing towards another pick, or you're winning and you're building that confidence. So to me, you gotta start by getting guys like Brandstrom in there and slowly get more of these guys in, like Drake Batherson. He was one of the best players in the AHL last year. Still has yet to see some ice time on the main club this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. Matt not pulling any punches with regards to his senators. <laughs> let's let's move on to the well, next topic. I mean, who can blame me, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah, let's move on uh, before I rant for another 10 minutes on this team here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, you pick. Which team do we want to cover next? I feel like I, I need to – kind of get something off my chest that maybe not a lot of people say and oh another ranting coming maybe <laughs> not necessarily a rant just a comment on okay. on a team that i just feel like their play last year and then in the playoffs and then this year is just completely different mm-hmm. so if you can guess who that mystery team is i'll give you a hint they're a canadian team okay um well, it wouldn't be Winnipeg because you aren't very high on Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not Ottawa. I mean, I would say Toronto, but you're always frustrated with Toronto. No. Um, West Is it a Western team? Yes. Um, Vancouver or Edmonton? I'm going to go Edmonton because Vancouver's doing okay. That's right. I, you know... I, I they're the Oilers are not a good hockey team in my opinion, and the only reason they're winning games is is McDavid and Drysaddle, and you know Darnell Nurse is playing top pairing minutes, and he's really not suited to that, especially with the Oscar Clefbaum injury. But you know Miko Koskinen is a solid goalie. They don't have any backup goalies other than Stuart Skinner right now. You know Mike Smith is out for a while. So, you know, Kyle Turris hasn't done anything. I haven't really noticed Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, you know, they do have some good players like Kyler Yamamoto and some other guys. But just overall, I'm just not impressed with this team right now. And, yeah. you know, the, the standings show, the results show. Like, yeah, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are racking up the points. But is this team doing very well? Nope. Well, it seems very – and now I haven't watched too many Oilers games because I've been pretty busy with school. But when I have had a chance, it seems very similar to last year where – especially the first half of the season where it's Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. They're the ones dragging this team along. 
to put it bluntly. And I think we're seeing more of that this year. Yeah, I mean, negative three goal differential, five, six, and oh on the season. Just not great. And I don't know. I mean, I again, I, I've talked about the Oilers before and how Ken Holland has kind of handled this team since he's come in. And I don't feel like he's made them that much better than they would be. I think the Dave Tippett move was good. That's one I'll definitely give him credit on because I think he's a good coach. But I think he, like other coaches in the league, is probably frustrated with this group because last year you had this totally new approach, this commitment to defense, great penalty kill, great power play, hard to play against. And then in the playoffs, that just like went out the window. The players like, no, nope, we don't want to play like that. And no, nope, we'll just let <laughs> David and Leon Dreisaitl carry us to a win when they can. Yeah, that, that sounds about the, But that's basically what's going on. Yeah, well, it's the Euler way is how I'd like to call it. <laughs> and, and the frustrating thing is imagine how good the Oilers would be if they just put a little more effort. Ken Holland went out and did a little more window shopping and got some guys for a decent price. Maybe like, a Tam, like the Tampa Bay Rays did in baseball where you've got some really good core pieces and then you just need to fill in all the gaps with some good young players for cheap. You don't need to make big moves to make this Edmonton team a really good team. They just need to make some smart minor moves. And this Edmonton team could be at the top of the division with McDavid and Dreisaitl leading the way. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, well, I mean, we'll see so far that's how it's looking and, and yes, they can turn it around and they've shown they can play much better as a team. But again, the early results don't show that right now. All right. Do we want to get somewhere positive now, Mac? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, do you want to talk about a team that's bad, but there's a really great story going on right now with them? Sure. Everyone loves an underdog story, Mac, especially right now. All right. So you and I mentioned the Blackhawks are, are not a good hockey team, plain and simple. But I think one of the most amazing stories so far is this goalie that's come in, Kevin Lankinen. And I, I didn't know much about this guy, uh, to tell you the truth. But I've had a chance to watch some of his games, and he's been really good for them. He's basically carrying the Blackhawks to any wins they've had. And just, you know, listen to his numbers in a 5v5 action. 1.27 goals against average. 957 save percentage, fifth in save percentage above expected in the NHL, and fourth in goals saved above expected. Now, yeah, those are analytics, and if you don't know what those mean, it's, it's pretty simple. He's among the top five goalies in the league of making saves he probably shouldn't make. So, yeah, he's been outstanding. Yeah, that's fabulous. And I think uh... – I think that the Blackhawks, you know, they're a team that's on the downward trend and they'll probably get a top five pick this year. But it doesn't, just like with every team, you can always find some sort of light in the darkness with those teams. And, and, and the, for example, with Ottawa, uh, I should have mentioned this. Stutzla's had a really good start to the year. I wish he got more ice time. But that's just another example of you got to find the, the light in your struggling teams. And hopefully he can be the future for the Blackhawks because that fills one of the major needs the Blackhawks have had really since Corey Crawford uh, got past his prime. 
Yeah, well, especially since Crawford moved on and, and then retired himself. But yeah, I mean, it is early, and there's probably not a scouting report on this guy yet. But you know, from what I've seen, like he's a really good goalie. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> let's talk about our favorite team south of the border, shall we? Yes. Uh, well, uh, about. <laughs> 20 miles not even 20 miles it's like 10 miles across the border (laughs) the buffalo sabers are a closet team and you know what Uh, we take no pride in saying this buffalo fans Uh, we were bang on weren't we we were early on look this is a team kind of like the oilers they're propelled by jack eichel and taylor hall and that's about it (laughs) yeah yeah victor olsen eric stall but yeah, yeah, they're just, you know, negative two goal differential. Uh, Linus Allmark has been very good. Carter Hutton's been average. I haven't seen much change from this year to last year with this team. I mean, yeah, you got some new players, but they still play the same way, and they're still playing Ristolainen too much and Dolly not enough. I mean, boy, Buffalo. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good way to put it. Now, if you're Buffalo, Mac – where do you go from here? Yeah, this is a team that's been kind of in a perpetual rebuild for the last 10 years, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. I'll, I'll challenge you now. You put on your GM slash coaching hat. What type of moves do you make to improve this team? First of all, if I'm them, I'm telling teams Carter Hutton is available because we want to bring up a young goaltender or bring in a different goaltender to support Linus Allmark, who's been very good so far. So there's that because I think you could probably find a taker on him. You know, you know how teams are so desperate for a solid backup goaltender, which I think he can be, but I think it would benefit them to acquire somebody else. Second of all, I'm telling teams that Rasmus Ristolainen is on the trade block and readily available. And it's, it's not just because I'm hard on him. It's because he's not a very good defenseman. And he, kind of like Darnell Nurse, is playing way more minutes than he should. And you have a young superstar in Rasmus Dahlin who should be getting those minutes. And he's not. Yeah, I think that's fair. Absolutely fair. And then do we want to move on to another New York team here, Mac? A a team that's in a bit of a similar situation, but we expected a lot more from the New York Rangers. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right, well, do we want to start with the – I guess it depends on your thoughts on him, but the New York Rangers have finally waived Tony D'Angelo, Mac. And this is a move that we thought we would have seen ages ago. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's basically an offense-only defenseman and uh, very opinionated on Twitter and social media about certain things that we don't even want to mention. Well, let's be honest. We're just going to not even mention them. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's this thing, and it's probably similar among every team's fan base, but there are a bunch of Sens fans, not a bunch, a few Sens fans on the Sens message board saying, oh, the Sens should sign Tony D'Angelo. Our defense is that bad. And, and a lot of us common sense said, look, our defense is bad, but we need to have some standards here. Yeah. I'd rather have six Mike Rileys and six Cody Ceces out there than one Tony D'Angelo. I think that's the furthest I'll go on Tony D'Angelo without getting into our actual, at least my actual views on the guy. 
So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Rangers have had a tough start to the season. And I think kind of like the other teams we talked about, it's because of the way they play. And that's they'll try and trade chances and goals with you. And yeah, you have real, two really good young goaltenders, but they can't be bailing you out that many times during a game when you're playing Jack Johnson, big minutes and, and your defense core as a whole is not very good. And really the forwards don't play great defense either. So as a result, you have a team that's all offense, very little defense and their penalty kill is not particularly good. And they're just trying to outscore teams. Remember what happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning when they tried to do that early on last season? It didn't work. Nope. Then then they turned it around. And yeah, they're a much more talented and older team than the Rangers. But they committed to defense. They played a much better two-way game. And guess what? They won the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's some questions about uh, the coach there. And, you know, the system he has. But uh, it is still early, so we will see. It seems like they're going a little bit better of late. Uh, But, you know, not a great start for the Rangers. No. And now remember, Mac, they are a young team. And they will have some growing pains. But hopefully we can see some improvement with the Rangers this year. Because I was really looking forward to seeing them be at their best. And they'll get there. Yeah, they will. They will. All right, now let's go to uh, a team that I try to keep my biases out of, Mac, but after they've ruined my uh, Senator Stanley Cup dreams for so many years, (laughs) Pittsburgh Penguins continue to struggle, and Jim Rutherford, no longer general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, as he resigns. Now, I think that was probably a mutual parting of ways where management told him, look, you're going to get sacked here fairly soon. So we'll give you a chance to resign in honor, right? Some sort of thing like that. Because Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins ownership, they know that this team is on the way down and they are making the right moves to set themselves up for a quick turnaround. At least under Jim Rutherford, they weren't. You're right. Um, I wonder about what exactly transpired because I've heard two different stories. I've heard what you said, and I've also heard that he just kind of said, listen, I don't want to be GM anymore. And it was kind of totally unexpected. And right now I heard they are, uh, they were granted interviews with John Ferguson Jr., who is currently with the Boston Bruins, formerly a NHL GM with the Maple Leafs and also Chris Drury, who's currently with the Rangers. So, you know, we'll see what transpires there, but you know, they named an interim GM, but I don't think that interim GM will be there for very long. Uh, No, me neither. I think it's just to get them through the season and uh, you know, things need to improve in Pittsburgh when you've got Cody CC playing regular minutes. Okay, now now on the on the subject of Cody CC, did you see Cody CC's near own goal the other night? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, and, and look, I've met Cody CC before, and I saw him play in junior, and I saw him in his early NHL career. Uh, he's a better defenseman than he looks. I, I think he can play better, Mac. I honestly do, but. I've said this for probably three, four years now, and no one seems to listen to me. 
they're playing Cody CC in the wrong role. They, they're playing him more as a two-way defenseman when he should be a shutdown defenseman on the on the third pairing with limited minutes. Absolutely. Yep. I, and I think in that situation, he can get more confidence. He can learn to defend. He never truly learned how to become a proper stay-at-home or even a two-way defenseman. He, when he was in Ottawa and similar to when he was in Toronto, he was always playing with you know, the super fast defensemen, the offensive defensemen, or guys that no one taught him, and we're seeing it now. So uh, I really do hope better for Cody CC. He's a local boy from Ottawa, of course. And uh, you don't wish for a player like that to have a ba- bad career. I think he can do better. Just please, someone, if you're, if Cody CC is on your team, tell management to put him third line, limited minutes stay-at-home defenseman and you will see he will be better yeah absolutely I mean the other thing with the Penguins is they haven't really had great goaltending from Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith and one other thing I've I've recognized is everybody talked about John Marino last year as a potential uh, Calder winner and rightfully so because he was amazing this year after he got the contract Matt totally different story he doesn't look near as good as he did Mm-hmm. And you know that's not that happens with with young athletes. So hopefully he can bounce back because they really need him. Because other than Chris Letang, I mean, and Brian Dumoulin, you know, he's a big part of their defense, and they need him to be better. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's keep moving on down our list here. Let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that you have a real soft spot for, Mac. Well, yeah, because they're just um, they they kind of do everything right. And the way they're built is not necessarily conventional, but they're just a really good hockey team. And uh, to me, there's no reason not to expect that this team could potentially be a threat to go a long way this year. I mean, you look at the depth on the roster, you know, Andre Svechnikov, Sebastian Ajo, and Vincent Trocek are tied for the team lead with six points in six games. You've gotten really good goaltending from Razik and Reimer. And you just got um, Jordan Martinuk, Tevo Teravainen, and Warren Fogel back from injuries, and they're supposed to play today. So, And the other stat I look at when I look at if teams are good or bad is the goal differential, and they're plus eight right now. Tonight they have a tough test against the Dallas Stars, but they've handled Dallas well. Sorry, excuse me. They do not necessarily have a tough test against the Chicago Blackhawks, but I've been impressed with, with how they've played. And, and I, I do have a soft spot for them because I just kind of, I really like the organization and the way they play. They play hard. They play for one another. There's not much not to like. Yeah. The Hurricanes are a very likable organization as a whole. And I quite like the Hurricanes. I, they seem to have a renewed sense of confidence this season. You could see it going at, towards the end of last season into the playoffs in the bubble. They never really had their confidence at, at full, if that makes any sense. And they seem to have that renewed confidence. They seem to have their swagger back. And the Hurricanes are a real threat to go deep in the playoffs this year if they keep it up. All right, let's move on to let's head back north of the border let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens and yeah the Canadians have had a very good season they've been fantastic Mac 
And, you know, they haven't had a very difficult schedule. That's just how it's been. But uh, as you mentioned in your notes here, Mac, they've clearly built on their success from last season. You can see it. And one of the best signings, uh, I know people are iffy about Tyler Toffoli, Mac, but both you and I have seen Tyler Toffoli on the Habs and he's been phenomenal. It's been a really good signing for the Habs. He's kind of that, he's not the impact forward, I'd say, but he's that one of the pieces they've been missing on Montreal's forward core for a while. And now that they have him, Montreal's, you could just see how much more confidence they are on offense. And of course you got Carey Price who has been healthy. It's the first time he's truly been healthy in quite a while. And you can see the difference it's making for Montreal. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that I take away from the start to their season is just the amount of depth that they have. And Mark Bergevin has kind of built for the Habs. You know, you can put Corey Perry in one game and put somebody else in the other. You know, if you go into the minor leagues, you have uh, Caden Primo when you have Jake Allen and Carey Price up here. Um just depth up and down the lineup and and a commitment to the two way game. It's, it's going to lead them to a good place. And so far, I think they've been even better than anybody expected them to be. You and I were high on them. You and I thought this is a top three team in the division, but at the same time, I don't know if we expected it to go this well early on. So, you know, kudos to them. Yeah. Very good to see Montreal bounce back from a couple rougher years and you and I have been very critical of Bergevin on this program, but we got to give him credit where credit's due. He's really built a, a strong, very deep team in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's head to the Washington Capitals, Mac, a team that has been winning. And what do you think of the Washington Capitals? Because they're a team without Ovechkin, without Samsonov, without Orlov, and Kuznetsov, and they're still winning games. Yeah, I mean, that's that's impressive when you say the least, because really, if you look back to last year, that was kind of the only reason they were winning games was when those guys played. But, you know, they've got a new coach in Peter Laviolette, and Peter Laviolette is a guy who will, who will demand better defensive play. You know, Zdeno Chara has – Seems like he's everybody's best friend there. I don't know if you saw the reaction when he scored that first goal with with the Capitals, but that was awesome. It was like a whole bunch of kids going to hug their dad. That's basically (laughs) what it was like. Well, let's be honest. Dano Chara is old enough that some of those guys could be his kid. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Right. The Washington Capitals have been a fun team to watch this year. And once Ovi and all these guys get back – this is a team that isn't what they once were, but we, we can't count them out of the playoffs. And we didn't, we had them third or fourth, depending on who he asked mm-hmm. and uh, Washington. They've been good. They've been very good and they've been fun. It's a very different Washington team though, from the team we saw win the Stanley cup three years ago. Yeah, you're right. And, and I'm really impressed with this rookie goaltender Vitek Vancek. Again, another guy I didn't know a whole lot about, but, you know, he's developed and so far he's 5-0-2 with a 918 save percentage and 2.78 goals against average. So 
And Washington right now is tied for first in the East Division with Philly. So they're definitely doing something right. And we'll see if they can continue to kind of progress in that two-way game that I'm sure Laviolette is demanding of them. I mean, I think that's the challenge for the Capitals, as it is pretty much every other team in the league at this point. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much the two-way game is what teams need to play to be successful. And once you master it, like the Tampa Bay Lightning did last year, you can go all the way. All right, let's wrap up with your team, Mac, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now I got to ask, do we have a ranting coming this week or are you impressed with the Leafs? No, not necessarily. I think um, for me, they're, they're winning, but they're winning in a way that we're just not used to as fans. And, and what that means is they're really grinding out wins and playing well defensively and limiting the quality shots on Freddie Anderson. And it's, and of course, Jack Campbell and it's working, you know, Freddie Anderson had a really bad start to the season and he just looked off. I don't know. Something didn't seem right. And let's be fair. The team wasn't great in the first few games, but Lately, he's been fantastic, and Jack Campbell has also been very good, who's out for a few weeks. And, and a guy I really want to mention here, Matt, is Justin Hall. And Justin Hall, way back when, was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks, and he really <clears throat> didn't get a lot of chances with that organization. He played in the AHL, and the Leafs saw something in him. They acquired him, and basically – developed him they developed him through the Toronto Marlies eventually he got a shot with the Toronto Maple Leafs and he's been really impressive basically playing on a shutdown pair with Jake Muzzin he's he's a very good skater but he's also big and his defensive games come a long way you know you've got to be thrilled with him so far with the Leafs and they remain at the top of the division well, basically what you're saying, Mac, is the Leafs are playing the way you want them to play for the last three, four years. <laughs> three, four years? How about... 20? 20. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. 20, 21, 25. Who, but who's counting, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else you, you want to say? No. Uh, anything else before we wrap up this episode? This has been fun. Uh, I'm just thinking here. Uh, oh, I wanted to touch on Vancouver briefly. Uh, they've uh, they've impressed me. They've been a little sloppy, but overall, I like what I'm seeing from Vancouver. And uh, next episode, we'll get into a deeper dive for them. I, I'm I'm not sure uh, regarding Vancouver, and and I think you know we were expecting more of Brayden Holtby. For me, Brayden Holtby hasn't been very good. And that's partly because of the defense in front of him. But I also think, you know, really when Thatcher Demko's in net, they have a better chance to win. And you and I are, are big fans of him and hope he gets a chance to really be the starter. But yeah, I mean, Vancouver is just not playing the way they should. And, you know, right now they're six and six. So they're, they're in the hunt right now. They're in a playoff spot, but and, you know, how much longer can you keep playing like this and expect teams like, you know, Calgary and Winnipeg not to move ahead of you? Well, now, now to be fair, Mac, I, the only Vancouver games I've watched, with the exception of the opener, were the three games where they trounced Ottawa. So, 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's not really uh, an accurate representation. Yeah. So, uh, well, well, yeah. Now that you, now that you're mentioning it, half their games that they've won came against the Senators. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. But I think that just about does it for this episode, Mac. Yeah, absolutely. As always, this show is brought to you by the National Podcast Network. Thank you again for listening. We really appreciate each and every single one of you who listen to our show. We just passed over 1,100 listens total, and we're, we're thrilled. It's only going to go higher. And once again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your day listening. For Matt, this is Matt signing off, and as always, enjoy the games.